the Bible is as relevant today as it has been in any generation and time period when it comes to guiding us to how or how to function in relationships in our lives properly. The Bible guides us towards healthy relationships and guides us through the challenges we face in those relationships. Our Heavenly Father will provide you and I guidance for any relationship we encounter. Marriage and family relationships. The Bible gives us wisdom if we're living single, raising children, single parenting, workplace relationships, friendships and social life, and others. Whatever relationship you are in, God not only gives us instruction through his word to guide us, but he cares about those relationships, but he cares about how those relationships impact his design for your life. If you are a Christian here this morning, if you consider yourself someone committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, how we engage relationships are unique. If you are not a Christian here this morning and you are a seeker and you are trying to understand what Christianity is all about, God has a word for you too, but God's design is for his people that he has revealed to him to reach out to you so that you can know him. And so for those in this room, whoever you may be, if you are not a Christian, hang in there. Understand that we are speaking to Christians, but by God's grace, we pray that you benefit from at least having a clear understanding of what Christianity is supposed to be. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus gave us his perspective as it relates to relationships and our most intimate relationships. In verse 46, while he was still speaking to the people, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother, who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We obviously know from other scriptures that Jesus loved his family. And so his point here was not to make a statement that says he was anti his family. He was giving people that were getting to know him perspective in that nothing, no relationship in your life comes before knowing God and doing what God has designed for a human being to do. Any relationship that gets in the way of that, as a Christian, you need to 
be observant and you need to have perspective and you need to make sure that no relationship hinders your relationship with God. The author in Luke, looking at this same scene, gave us more information, just slightly different, but a little bit more information to Jesus' statement. In Luke 8, 19 to 21, his mother and his brothers was outside trying to reach him because of the crowd. He was told in verse 20, your mothers and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Jesus answered, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and they do it. During our series, this series here at Radius, we will look together at the guidance God has provided us through his word to navigate all the major relationships in our lives. We will also address practical relational circumstances you and I will encounter and what the Bible has to say about it. But for our first focus, we will look at God's blueprint for the most important relationship that God has designed on this earth, the most intimate. God's blueprint or guide for marriage and family. The very fabric and foundation of life. We will look at the biblical record God has provided to give us understanding of primarily five biblical principles for this series. And there's more. But we will look at primarily five during our focus of marriage and family. First, we will look at the original design. Should be on the next slide, I think so. First, we will look at the original design for marriage and family, which gives us our guide for defining family. Then we will look at God's purpose for marriage and family in the application to Christians today in the New Testament era. And then as we go through in this series, we will see in the scriptures God's guide for choosing the right marriage partner. And then we will look at the biblical guide for how to function in present marriage conditions. Because there's diverse marriage conditions in this modern culture that we live in. But the Bible amazingly had the same type of marriage problems we have today. They had them then. And so the Bible speaks to the marriage challenges in our present marriage and how to function properly. And then finally, number five, if you are in a place where you're in a place in your life where you may never be married or you've decided in your heart you may not be married, you don't know if you're going to be married, minimally, the Bible wants us to be equipped to properly train our children, to properly disciple and train others. Paul, who was single, gave guidance to married folks because God had given him wisdom. Because that is the most intimate and the most regular relationship that mankind will have, and that's a relationship between a man and a woman, and God wants Christians to be equipped to address it. You first have to have it right in your own mind and heart from the words before you can guide others. 
And so our guide here is to look at the word together, look at the scriptures, you to go back and process it on your own so that you can come to the proper conclusions of what the Bible says about relationships between men and women. Generations to come, in four future generations, we want our children to have a biblical foundation on marriage and family, despite what's very important that most of us see, the shifting foundation in definition of marriage in our country, in our culture, and even in the education system. You would be surprised if you asked your children some of them, what they are learning right now about marriage and family and how far away it's going from the biblical design and what's being taught in the scriptures. One day we will wake up and our children will say, I believe professor so-and-so. I believe the teacher so-and-so. They're going to listen to mainstream education and they're going to say to you, I do not believe the biblical account of marriage and family. That's old. That's old thinking. It's not progressive thinking. It's not inclusive. If you do not get in the fight and understand and have confidence for yourself, the biblical design for marriage and relationships between a man and a woman, you will, be not, you will not be equipped to pass it on to your children or grandchildren. It is more important than we may realize. And if we as Christians are not unified under God's design, or if we are unified under God's design, we can influence each other's family. What I say to my child, then she can go and speak to sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, and then they will influence them in the same way. We will be unified in understanding and proper doctrine. It's important for us to understand what's going on in the White House. Nothing wrong with that, but it's more important to focus on what's going on in our house. We are literally fighting for the survival of God's design for marriage and family and human relationships. Today, of those five principles, we will touch on many of them as an introduction, but we will focus primarily on an introduction of the first two, God's design and purpose. It'll just be an introduction, and then in the next couple weeks, we will look deeper, and we will try to look at most of the scriptures that deal with this subject so that you can have as full a counsel from God in the scriptures on the subject that we can give you. And then as Anderson mentioned, we have a small group for those that you got a lot of questions that may not be answered in a 30 minute sermon, 30, 45 minutes sometimes for me. <laughs> but you can come and sit around with a group of people, look at the scriptures and you can ask your questions in a setting where you can get more in depth on the subject. <laughs> As we mentioned, we are living in a time where there's a shifting foundation for marriage and family. I heard an illustration one time where a man said that he called in someone to fix the cracks in his home. And when the construction worker or the handyman came in to 
fix the cracks, and Tim, you can correct me later if this ain't right. The owner of the home kept telling the handyman that every time you fix the cracks, I end up getting more cracks a few months or years later. So whatever you're doing, handyman, isn't working because the cracks in my home keep reoccurring, keep reappearing. So the handyman thought about it for a moment, and he says, wait a minute, let me go check something. And so he did some looking around, took him a few weeks, and he came back to the, and gave the conclusion to the owner of the home, and he says, you know what? I thought it was the cracks in your home that was the problem, but what I realized, it's not the cracks, it's the foundation. You have a shifting foundation in your home that even though I'm fixing the symptoms, it's not getting to the root. So, sir, you need your whole foundation fixed or the cracks will keep reoccurring. What's happening in our culture today is we are dealing with the cracks when it comes to broken homes and broken marriages. Most of us know the statistics that 50% of all marriages end in divorce, 40% of children are growing up without a father. With African Americans, we know that 72% of our children are born in single parent homes. But what we're gonna learn in this series is that if you just fix the cracks and you don't fix the foundation, the cracks will keep reoccurring. Whoever you are in this room, all of us, even as I was studying it, this series will be a challenge. Guilt will start to rise up in your soul that God don't want to be there. You will start feeling bad about yourself, bad about your conditions, but that is not God's design and neither our design for this series. But you can't get healthy if we don't first show you the proper foundation. Jesus will meet you wherever you are, whatever cracks you got, he'll meet you. He demonstrated that with the woman in the well. In John chapter 4, he came to the woman in the well and he said, um, go call your husband. Because he wanted to start the conversation. It wasn't that he didn't know about her problems. But he says, I want you to go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, got that right. You have had five husbands, and the man that you are with now, that you're shacking up with, that ain't even your husband. But this woman was the first person Jesus revealed himself without parables and said to her directly, I am God, I'm the Messiah. Despite her condition, People looking down on her. God came to her and says, I'm not here to look down on you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to demonstrate that by revealing myself to you more than I reveal myself to any of these self-righteous folks. But Jesus is saying to her, I love you too much, though, to keep you that way. You've been looking for satisfaction in relationships with the, all of these men but they cannot satisfy you and they never will. 
because the way you have been using marriage to get your self-satisfaction from another person, it will never happen no matter how many times you get a husband. I've said this time and time again to single folks, but I know they don't want to hear it. They think if they get married, it's going to be all good. It might be all good for 10 years, maybe, if you're lucky. <laughs> but to say I do for the rest of your life and to have the same partner for the rest of your life, if, you're, if you get married on the foundation of self-satisfaction only, it is hard to maintain that marriage, especially in today's culture when men and women are no longer bound to the old traditional marriage cultures, they have so many options and there's so many people that are coming after your man or your woman and it is hard to stay married today if you get married for the reasons that people get married for today. <coughs> Top reasons people get married in the U.S. Talk about a little bit about what we mean. Love, lifelong commitment, companionship, having children, religious reasons, financial stability, legal rights. Okay, I got this from this Pew Research Center. It came out in February of 2019, some research that had been done, and it just kind of gives us a perspective of our culture and reasons we get married. And I'm sure some of you, you might fit into those categories, reasons you get married or want to get married, and a lot of it comes down to a lot of folks, um, I, I just want to be in love, or I just want companionship. I'm lonely. And then the top reasons people stay married. It's another category that's closely related to the first, but it's very, very important. Because quite often the reason people get married is not what keeps them there. Kind of shifts. It was interesting. And some of you, and when they did this survey, it doesn't mean that everybody had the same number one. It just showed percentages. Shared interests, number one. Number two, I hear this a lot, especially in today's modern culture. Is that person satisfying me? That, Sorry, children, we always try to keep it PG, but it's hard. <laughs> but am I satisfied in that marriage physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that? And if I'm not satisfied, if I'm not getting self-satisfaction, I can't stay in this. When I came into it, I wanted, I did it for the right reasons. But now when I'm living with another person day in and day out, and I want to be satisfied and I'm no longer happy, I can't stay in this. And the number two reasons why I won't stay in this is that it has to do with me. I'm not satisfied. Sharing the same household chores, that was interesting. My wife might kick me out for this one. The challenge is not that those reasons to get married or to stay in marriages are not good. That's not the problem. The problem today and for the woman at the well is the order of the purpose. It's the order of the purpose and the motive for the marriage. It's the foundation. 
what you need to understand as a Christian, and I'm especially talking to you Christians because for some of us, we probably just never thought about it or just don't know or not seeing the scriptures completely and properly. But if you really read it, what Jesus cares about and what we care about tends to be two different things. It's really about what we put first and what he puts first. We will put our self-satisfaction first. Jesus says, I want you to first seek the kingdom and the other stuff is the benefit. But we go into the marriage with self-satisfaction in mind and when that doesn't happen, because we put the order wrong, it won't work out for us. We will look at other scriptures to back up some of the things I'm saying this morning. This is an introduction. But we will look at other scriptures throughout the series, not all today. What God gives us, whatever gifts he gives us, whatever relationship gifts he gives us, marriage, kids, family, in God's plan and focus, it goes back to him, including our marriage. When you allow God to give you your gift, you learn, not only do you learn the proper function of the gift, but you get the benefits. Colossians 1.16 says it this way. Some of you know this verse. For all things were created, for, for by him, that's Jesus, all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. In Ephesians chapter 5. Some of you know this verse as it relates to marriage. Looking at verses 31 and 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Going back to the marriage statement in Genesis 2, the Apostle Paul is teaching about marriage, and he says, this mystery is profound about marriage, and I want you to understand something, that it refers to Christ and the church. What? How? What Paul is trying to help them understand that they weren't quite grasping is that marriage has to do with God's call on your life to reach others. But if you go into the marriage, not understanding that whatever God gives you, you need to give back to God, then you will not function properly, not only in your marriage, but in your motivation going into how you retrieve a marriage partner. Marriage, by definition, and this definition in this series, for New Testament Christians, the application Marriage as God's created institution is designed for a man and a woman to reflect God's love, to reflect God's love first in that marriage and lead others to Jesus Christ as their personal savior. What Paul is trying to teach these New Testament Christians in the New Testament is that your marriage was never designed for you to only focus on each other. It was designed for you to reflect the creator. And in New Testament era, 
since the fall, since man has sinned, and man is no longer operating as God designed in the New Testament area, if you're going to get married, you need to make sure that marriage reflects the original design that God had for it. If it is not doing that, and if it is not evangelistic, because now that people are disconnected from their creator, when God gives you a marriage, he wants to use it. But if you go into it with a selfish mindset, it was just me and my family, and you don't understand that God wants to use it for his glory, then you as a Christian are going into the marriage with an improper understanding, and you, it will, and you will not function properly in that marriage. Y'all with me? Jesus had a view on marriage. In Matthew 19, Jesus' view on marriage and his instructions on where to find guidance and the foundation to understand the subject, you can find in Matthew 19. Pharisees, the theologians, the religious smart guys, came to Jesus and they tried to test him by asking him one of those tough questions. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now they know if Jesus answered this the wrong way, the people won't like it. Because in that culture, and in even our culture today, especially in that culture, divorcing a woman for almost any reason they had made legal under the law. She made me mad, I got upset, I'm just getting divorced. There's no way in their culture they were saying, I'm going to kind of stay with just this woman all my life if she's getting on my nerves. That was basically the attitude. And so they would just marry and divorce, marry and divorce. And so if Jesus said the wrong thing, he would be in trouble not only with the religious leaders, but with the broader culture. So, Jesus answered, Have you not read? Right away, Jesus will begin to challenge the biblical account of what marriage means versus the traditional or cultural philosophy of the day in what the educators say about marriage. Jesus said, I know what your educators are saying out there. I know what the culture is saying. I know what everybody is saying. I know what you all are doing as religious folks. But have you not read what the Bible says about this? The Old Testament? He says, have you not read? Then he goes back to the beginning. That he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. We will come back to that. that. That's going to be controversial in terms of defining marriage in its original design. We're not going to get on that today, but here is Jesus. This is his opinion on it. If Jesus was around today, as much as people say to Christians, y'all should be more like Jesus, they don't really want that. 
They don't really want us to be more like Jesus. They don't really understand what they're saying. They don't really know him. If they had, they would know they don't want us to be more like Jesus. We should be more like Jesus. We ain't even doing that the way we should. Because Jesus will keep it real. He will just keep it real. He's all about keeping it real, even in love. He says, he goes on to say, verse 5, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. He is quoting chapter 2 of Genesis now. In verse 4, he quoted chapter 1. In, in verse 5, he's quoted Genesis chapter 2. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let nobody separate. See, what Jesus did is he moved marriage from just a social institution to a creative spiritual institution whose designer and whose authority on the subject is the one who created it. The Bible and God's authority on the subject of marriage is a, a subject that gives him authority by virtue of him creating the institution. They said to him, why didn't that Moses give one why didn't that Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? So now they're going to put it on Moses in the Bible and try to twist the words of the Bible. He said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, that was not the original design. Moses being a nice guy, not one, you know, he was a humble, meek guy, got tired of listening to people. Y'all read the story. He got tired of them folks complaining and whining. So he said, we're just going to set it up where if you're going to do it, let's just do it in an orderly way. But Jesus is saying to you, that wasn't the original design. Then Jesus says to this, this to them, and here's where y'all need to pay attention. Who's talking here? He says, but I say to you, God in the flesh, I'm God. Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. He's saying, I know what the culture says. I know you can be divorced under the law. In the United States, you can be divorced under the law. But I say to you, this institution is so important to God that once you marry somebody, it is for life. It is how God designed. He designed one marriage partner. And boy, oh boy, my brothers and sisters, when we get look at some of these other scriptures, um, this is like an infomercial this morning, getting you ready for other scriptures in the future. But you will see other biblical authors bring this all together. And sex is a big one. Because what relationships between men and women and intimacy has come down to quite often in the broader culture, and unfortunately even in the Christian environment now, the issues of personal satisfaction has contaminated marriage. When God only designed for one man, one woman to have a partner to reduplicate children, that was a benefit. It was not a reason for you to satisfy yourself and contaminate it. 
As a matter of fact, he'll, he's, you'll see later in other verses in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, if you have intimate relationships with a woman just having a fling, you just married her in God's eyes. This is serious business. God institutes marriage not by a ceremony, but by an act of consummation that is covenanted in evidence by blood. It is a creative design. It's supposed to be one woman, one man, that's it, forever. But if you have an unhealthy view of sexuality, and you have been contaminated coming into a marriage by an unhealthy experience in sexuality, you will bring that into your marriage. And it will damage it. Because it was never designed for you to be with multiple people in that way. So his disciples asked a great question. I would be asking the same question, and you should be asking the same question. The disciples said to him, if this is the case of a man and his wife, it's better not to marry. In other words, if you can't function properly in the institution, it's better that you not do it. Now, the problem is if you have emotional, intimate, if you have needs that need to be satisfied, and you're struggling with that. So you have a dilemma. You have to be healthy if you're going to go into the institution. But if you are going to go into the institution, you really need to think about it before you make that step because now you're accountable to God. So it's either you're going to do it and you realize you're doing it in the right order for the right reasons and you're going to be just with that person. Or else you are messed up and you know going into it that you are not healthy, then you need to get healthy before going into it. And some people get frustrating because we think we're ready, but God knows when we're ready. All right, a couple more verses in this introduction. First Corinthians 7. The Apostle Paul gives advice in statements that's related to what I've been saying as it relates to being healthy in a marriage and reasons for marriage. He says to the Corinthians, because they had a question, they said concerning matters about which you wrote, because they have become Christians, but they have been living in a certain cultural standard. They have been in relationships with men and women. People have been having intimate relationships together. People were living together. There was all kinds of stuff going on, and God understands that, and Paul understands that, because when he saves you, you might be in a situation that you're already in, and God has to give you wisdom of how to navigate through that. Or you might have already done it. You've already messed up, so okay, God knows. But he hits him with a bullseye. He says, concerning those matters, number one, it is not good to have sexual relations 
with that woman as <laughs> an old Bill Clinton statement. <laughs> Knowing that they were in a culture that men and women were intimate, he hit them with the bullseye, and it's the hardest one when you've been living that way and you're used to it. He says, the first thing I want y'all to do is understand you just can't be having intimacy. He says, if you're going to do it, he says, verse 2, he says, because of the temptation of sexual morality, if you are struggling and you have temptation, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. If you just can't help yourself, this is what you need to do. But the problem is you have to be healthy. You get into it for that reason. That's already a problem in reality. But Paul is just trying to help him out. He's going to say that. He's like, I'm not trying to put an extra burden on you. I'm just trying to help you out. You're in a catch-22. And you need to be careful and don't just get into it just because you want to be intimate with somebody, because it may not last. Then, down to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 7, verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man, single folks, hear this out, here's Paul's perspective, guided by the Holy Spirit, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. This is first where your lifestyle should be. If your lifestyle and your heart is not like this right now, you are, will not be healthy going into the marriage, and you will go into it for the wrong reasons. If you not, have not had a healthy lifestyle where Paul says, if you are a Christian and you are unmarried, you should be focused on making disciples and being healthy. Because then when you go into this marriage with your partner, you will lead them the right way. You both will be doing that. <laughs> but the married man or woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife. And then verse 34, here's the problem if you don't go into the marriage the right way. Your interests are divided. You will put all of your time all in that relationship, and you forget about the mission of the Lord. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husbands. Verse 35, I say this for your own benefit because he was concerned that they don't have their devotion to the Lord divided. <laughs> if you go into your marriage and it affects your devotion to the Lord, if it pulls you away from God, like Solomon's many wives did. The scripture says Solomon's wives pulled his heart from the Lord. That relationship, the most intimate relationship, can impact you the most. You will start off on fire for the Lord. You get married, and then you're no longer serving the Lord. God says that's a problem because I did not create the institution of marriage for your self-satisfaction and for you to lead me out. My mission for you is still the same. 
Conclusion for today, but not conclusion for the series. <laughs> Marriage is God's created institution. You could just go to the end, Corey. I won't get to those other passages. Marriage, as usual, marriage is God's created institution is designed for a man and a woman to reflect God's love and lead others to Jesus Christ based on the New Testament passage in Ephesians chapter 5 dealing with marriage. The question we have to ask ourselves during this series, is your marriage relationship growing on the biblical foundation and design of Jesus Christ? Is this what's happening? If you're a single, are you living and growing properly as a Christian single in preparation for a biblical marriage? If you're in a situation of you don't know if you'll ever get married, are you equipped to teach others, your children or grandchildren, the principles of biblical marriage so that they won't have that smooth talker, good looking distraction turning their heart from the Lord? If you're not there, God will meet you where you are. This is not designed like Jesus met the woman at the well. It's not designed to crush spirits. It's designed to let people be reminded and learn what marriage and relationships are really about and start getting back to that and being able to teach your family and friends that. Jesus will meet you where you are, and, we, and so therefore reflect on these passages and the upcoming series and ask God for understanding and guidance to restore your marriage or relationship to the right foundation and to give you wisdom, guidance, and strength to hear God's word, as Jesus said, those who are my mothers and brothers and sisters, and they do it. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to hear it. To do it, that's hard. And Jesus understands that. I understand that. But we are here to build one another up to there. No matter where you are today, again, I know it's convicting for some of us, but it should not go too far to discourage you because that's not God's design. He wants to grow you in that emptiness in your soul that you want to fill with a, a man or a woman. He wants you to understand that won't fill it. If you put them first over time, you will go get to a point in your life where you still feel empty. And then finally, he wants you to know if you're a Christian, I've called you to make disciples. So whatever relationship you get into needs to enhance that, not pull it away. Whenever I did, when I used to say things to my kids that, they, that, that was tough, I used to always say to them after that, hey, look, I love you. Come give me a hug. <laughs> love y'all. And I pray that the, the, this series and the word of God will give you truth. And God will give you the wisdom to apply it to your life because the relationships in your life, they matter to God. In Jesus' name.